0: We've always been driven by big, inspirational goals. Flying, developing medicine, walking on the moon. And while big goals are exciting, it's actually the little details, the small things that, when done correctly and repeated over time, helps us achieve them. As business leaders face a new set of challenges, I'm on a quest to find the small things they need to keep in mind. My name is AJ Kalatanga, and this is One Small Thing, brought to you by Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of selecting the best speaker for your events my guest today is jack levi who what the kids of today would describe as one of the ogs of australian comedy with a career spanning 39 and a half years generations grew up on jack's appearance on the family tv show hey hey it's saturday as his character elliot goblet today as an mc comedian and corporate entertainer Jack continues to delight audiences wherever he goes. In fact, he has appeared at over 1,600 corporate events here and overseas, and that was just this morning. Still with the voracious energy of a 1,000 crimson goats, he is here with us today to share a few insights into the business of
1: corporate comedy. Do you ever wonder how tough life would be for a fish if that fish hated the water? (laughs) Do you ever wonder why a trailer isn't twice as big as a semi-trailer? Do you ever wonder if the fridge light ever comes on after the door is closed? It doesn't, that's over a week of trials. Do you ever wonder how unfair it is that only one hole in your watch band gets all the action? Randall, a mate of mine, asked him how he was going and he said I've got mumps, measles, malaria, hay fever, yellow fever, glandular fever, hepatitis, arthritis, dermatitis, sinusitis, tonsillitis, laryngitis, gallstones, kidney stones, diabetes, piles and tinea. And I said, at least you got your health. (laughs) Jack, welcome to One Small Thing. Great to be interviewed by you, AJ. Thank you. Real highlight of my career so far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Too kind, my friend. Too kind. Uh, Mate, I want to kick off this conversation with you by asking you what on earth is the Crimson Goat
1: Award? Uh, The Crimson Goat Award. Okay. Well, apart from doing uh, appearances, comedy appearances, I also had a bit of a go at uh, producing shows, uh, cabaret variety shows, and And we put on four or five acts and an MC. And because the Crimson Goat is, I guess you could say, different from the the herd, being crimson, we thought we'd, on a Crimson Goat Award, or create a Crimson Goat Award that we gave to people in the community that we considered different to the herd. Right. People like uh, Father Bob Maguire, uh, Les Twentyman, Darren Hinch, Sam Newman and Maura Kelly, to name five. Yeah, wow. And I got my mum to present those awards, and that was a big hit. My then 91-year-old, 90, 91-year-old mum was presenting wow. awards to these famous and different people on stage, so that's what the award was about. Yeah, yeah wow. Uh, rewarding people who were different.
0: Wow, mm. that, that is incredible. Uh, I'm going to come back to your mum because uh, she said mm. something really interesting in an interview that I saw. But um, so so this was a this was a, you you organised a cabaret club is that right?
1: Yeah, well when I started in comedy, um, yeah. there was a really rich comedy variety scene, you know, with acts like Lost Trio, String Barkus, and the Whittle family, and the Hot Bagels, and the Cabbage Brothers, and Alan Pentland, Rod Quantock. It was a really rich. Uh, tapestry and, and Mitchell Faircloth, aka Slim Whittle, and myself decided we'd bring back some of that scene to generations that hadn't seen it. And so for five years, we ran the Crimson Goat Cabaret Club at Ormond Hall, a beautiful venue in Melbourne. Wow. In fact, the best venue we could have had. And used to get full houses every couple of months when we had the show. Yeah, well. Wow. And without advertising, it was just word of mouth, people coming back telling each other about it. So it was extremely successful. Yep. It's just that I got tired of producing shows because it was very time-consuming, so I gave it away in 2015.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Mm. And uh, so you've got a background in acting, but you describe yourself as a late bloomer. Uh, can we sort of go into that a bit? Because I, I noticed that you used to work for telecom. <laughs> and uh, Yes. <laughs> what on earth did you do for telecom?
1: Well, I was a computer analyst oh, wow. and then a marketing analyst later in my life. And I did 13 years at telecom. And really? interestingly, the last six years of that was uh, Jekyll and Hyde existence, yeah. telecom by day and comedian by night. So yeah. interesting six years that was.
0: That, that's incredible. Um, what inspired mm. you to get into acting?
1: Well, I, I, basically, I, I guess I just wanted to be in front of people performing, so I thought well, I'd do acting classes. And at the end of that year, the acting teacher said to me, Jack, you're never going to make it because you can't show facial expression. <laughs> you're too deadpan. So I, I knew oh, I probably wasn't going to be an actor. And then I thought about what she would said and decided to turn a lemon into a lemonade and come up with a character that was very deadpan because that's natural to me. It, it,
0: I, find that, I find that remarkable. Um, throughout my own career, you know, we, we were talking before off camera about, uh, you know, uh, advice we've been given. <laughs> and, uh, and where do you, where did you get that sense of adventure and, and
1: rebelliousness from? Sense of adventure and rebelliousness? Um, I don't know if I really got that. I, I, well, I you went, can you, tell you that. Against,
0: you went against the, the advice of a respected teacher, so that's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Like I was just wondering, like, where does that come from?
1: Yeah, well, like, I guess I haven't always been rebellious, but I did want to perform. Yep. And I did listen to what she said. So there was a con- uh, bit of a conflict, I guess. I see what you I mean. I wanted to yeah. perform. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you, I see what you mean. So you took the advice and, mm. and sort of almost like judoed it into a way that worked for you. That That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, turn a lemonade into a lemonade. Yeah, yep. that's, that's incredible. Right. That's really incredible. Um, mm. So you're you're enjoying acting you've got a would you say you've got a theater background or it's just just acting classes
1: just acting classes really I mean I'm a terrible actor <laughs> AJ. Uh, I love doing cameo roles yeah using the Elliot goblet character, and I've done that yeah. in shows like you might have heard of Neighbours yeah on that oh, really you were on Neighbours I did,
0: yeah, that did not come yeah, up I was in, in the Neighbours, Damn. I wanted
1: the Elliot Goblet comedy character in Neighbours. <laughs> um, Use my character on Burke's Backyard. So we, it was really a um, that was an interesting experience because when they asked me to do Burke's Backyard, I said, "Well, I haven't really got much of a backyard, but let's do the Botanic Gardens <laughs> here in Melbourne." So Don went with the script and we did the Botanic Gardens. It was fun. Um, I've also done little acting bits in a couple of movies. Um, I've done the Elliot used Elliot Goblet in. Uh, uh fat pizza very funny film yep yep and uh house eyes versus authority so love being in movies but only if it's the elliot goblet character
0: of course of course now i wanted to ask you about one of the things that you've done as elliot goblet you did an ad for share
1: how how on earth
0: did that come about
1: i just (laughs) loved doing that um there was a um an advertising guy in Sydney that really wanted to use me for a commercial and he put the proposal to, I think it was BG Records or anyway, the, the label that had share. Yeah, And um, we came up with a script with, which was really incongruous, which I love. I love yeah. the incongruity and uh, put me in a red wig and uh, fishnet stockings and away I went and it was so much fun and that went that was a national campaign that ran for a few weeks Wow wow got, that got a lot of attention I, yeah. I can imagine I can
0: imagine oh my god uh when you you obviously deal with a lot of producers of shows and and whatnot and I noticed on your page that you say that you're 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 the 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 entertainer for almost everything where do you where do you draw the line
1: yeah I think I' would say um. Um, a comedian for nearly every occasion. Yeah, that's right. right. No, i draw the line. Um, Hens nights, bucks nights and events where there are a lot of kids. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, I'm not really a visual act, so I'm not doing mime or magic. So not really good for kids' parties and not really good for the other, the bucks nights and the hens nights because while they might be big fans of mine, when you uh, go into a hen's or buck's night environment, mm. their heads are somewhere else and they just, wanted to, just want me to take my gear off and after <laughs> I've done that, there's nowhere for me to go. <laughs> oh, mate, that is that is absolutely yeah. classic.
0: Uh, so you, you're an incredible performer. You've been doing so for 39 and a half odd years. Uh, what has been... I really wanted to ask you this question offline, but I didn't get a chance to. So we're we're running with it, right? My worst gig, yeah. and I've had a lot of lot of terrible gigs over my time, because as you're up and coming, you try to hone your skills. But it's made me a more effective speaker. And my worst gig has been in my hometown of Darwin. I hadn't done um, uh, very many live performances during a period. I was doing a lot of writing. I was a little bit rusty. And so I did this public gig, and, uh, and this individual showed up, and he heckled me. for for way longer than he should have. And because I didn't shut him down quickly enough, uh, because Mm. I was rusty, things escalated. And one of the other participants stand up, this young fella, you know, challenges him to a fight. It's Darwin, so they they start to go out to the Mm. car park. So I have to run in there and, you know, think about my martial arts training and grab him in such a way where it's still entertaining. So the audience still like, you know, keeps going and then settle him down and settle the crowd down. And it was absolutely insane. What's been one of your worst gigs, I'm curious.
1: Well, the standout worst ever gig was for the Victorian Sheep Breeders Association. They just didn't get it. You know, they just did not get it. They and were looked, more deadpan my apologies. than you. Wow. What's that? They
0: were more deadpan than you.
1: Oh, exactly. They were out deadpanning me do you deal big time. With that but, as but, a performer. Yeah. Well, I just had to roll on because I knew the stuff I was doing was funny it had been tested on TV and other audiences it's just that that crowd didn't get it they uh, I think they thought I was purposely going out of my way not to be funny. Oh so, wow. So um it yeah. was just the way just the, there was a younger table there and they were laughing but then right. and then that table decided to stop laughing because they were kind of showing everybody else up so they went with the herd unfortunately. Interesting. Pardon the pun interesting what
0: a what a, what a yeah. fascinating gig how do, you, how do you recover from something like that
1: well I was a bit down it was 1987 I'd only been in the industry for a few years and I, I was a bit down about it but if it happened today I'd be okay I'd just say well that that was the dynamics of the night you know yeah yeah uh, sometimes there are sometimes there are sound issues or lighting issues that really take away your power wow. and you don't get the response you want. Yeah, so wow. you, you, there's a reason for things, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just just going back to that period or, or before that period, you auditioned, your first time auditioning at a talent show was You're a Star in 1982. And at that event, yep. someone saw you perform. Can you talk to us who saw you perform and, and what that meant for your career?
1: Yeah, a show. Uh, people from a show called The Daryl Summers Show Right. saw me perform. Wow. And a guy called Frankie J Holden rang me up one Tuesday and said, "We loved what you did on You're a Star. Can you do the same thing for us on our Tonight Show, our Tuesday wow. night show?" And I thought to myself, "Wow, wow. I, I was thinking about approaching this show in a year or two, and here they are approaching me." So, wow! So, of course, I grabbed it and did exactly the same material that I did on the talent show, which yep. and that went well. And they to be back. So four weeks after I came back and did another show on the Daryl Summer Show. And that went well too. And they just wanted me to keep coming back. So I had this dream run of eight shows on a national TV program, eight spots on a national TV program in a, in a year and a half. And uh, then that was the end of the Daryl Summer Show at the end of 83. So I went with them two oh, evenings so on hey hey from 84 right through to 1999 so wow I owe a lot to daryl summers and his crew
0: as do many yeah, entertainers I would yeah. imagine um it, it was an incredible time in in all of our lives and and you know you have truly truly uh remarkable uh your, your body of work and, and you know as I was saying before you know I'm a fan of stand-up comedy and and I never fully when you're a kid you know you don't fully appreciate stuff and you know, but now as an adult, I look back on comedy and I'm fascinated by all the stuff that you, that you did. And, and it's incredible watching you deliver these lines, like audiences, if you, if you, um, haven't seen, uh, Elliot goblet clips, um, I'll link to it in the show notes, but please go check out, uh, even on Jack's website, he's got, got him performing and, and is literally like watching a, a champion boxer in the ring, just throw punch after punch after punch. It is, it is done with such laser-like precision and you wouldn't notice that all you see is like oh that's pretty funny but the way i love you know the way i love you describe it jack is that you say that you you give audience a partially completed canvas and expect them to finish the painting
1: yeah that that's is... right and the uh, the victorian sheep breeders certainly did not finish the painting it was uh it was too it was too bare the uh, the canvas for them. They needed a bit more to help yeah, them along. Maybe but, some um, coloured
0: lines. Yeah, some I like crayons.
1: To, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to give. Um, yeah, I like to give an audience a bit of work, and yeah. when they get the joke after doing a bit of work, they feel so satisfied and part of That's the incredible. whole process. So, and that that adds that gives me those extra laughs because they've actually participated in getting the joke rather yeah. than just having it thrown down their throats
0: and and i think that's very important too as as leaders aspiring to change in your organization you know if you're trying to deliver something you know it's incredible skill and talent that that when you can you know give people an idea and help them embrace it and run with it that's such a powerful Mm -hmm. lesson that jack's talking about right now so for those of you watching this or listening to it um you know again go back and, and watch his clips and see how he delivers that stuff and and also book him to speak at your event like it's It's awesome, right? Um, Speaking of speaking, speaking, uh, you've got some very interesting Google reviews. And I want to talk about, this is more the professional side of the business. Um, One of Mm -hmm. our mutual friends described you as one of the most professional people in the industry. And, you know, for those of you who don't really, you know, we we don't just turn up and talk. We don't just turn up and make people laugh. There's a massive amount of um, thinking and process that goes into it. Um, I just wanted to ask you, the user Funky Star uh, said that you uh, met up beforehand and grilled our friends. So this is your research process, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, that was for a wedding. Yeah. Yes. Well, with, whenever I do events, corporate events, weddings or birthday parties, I always do my research beforehand. So in that case, the Funky Star, uh, <laughs> funny name for a the reviewer but uh I did a wedding for them and of course I uh, I did my research on the couple mm-hmm. and also spoke to one of their friends about them as well so that I had a lot of information about their their passions their hates their weaknesses their idiosyncrasies and I was able to use that information to come up with about 5 or 6 mi- minutes of material at their wedding
0: that's that's as I do at amazing. all weddings yeah that that is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and you, and like you said before you bring that same process to whoever that hires you, I'm, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, every single time I'll write material for an event.
0: How much? Yeah. What, what is your What is your prep versus delivery look like? Like how many hours on average would you prepare? Like my, my, um, you know, I had to deal with um, a group of lawyers earlier last year and my prep for that one hour on stage time was, was 90, 91 hours and a half or something like that, um, you know, for one hour on stage. What is your prep time look like on average
1: wow okay um look my prep time is a lot less than it used to be because i've i've got a stack of templates now so that's whatever ridiculous. the issue i've got the joke ready to go so that's my genius. research yeah so I, I i know all the answers i just need the questions that's all I need <laughs> to ask the questions you know, what is your what is your biggest out of stock item or what are your bottlenecks um what's been promised and hasn't been delivered. Those call it questions because I've got the answers. Yeah. And yeah. I can write jokes about every every possible idiosyncrasy idiosyncrasy of a person.
0: That is incredible. Um, that is so, incredible.
1: Uh, you know, and I do it tastefully, of course. Of
0: course. Yeah. One to, of the one of the things tasteful. that they said yeah. was that consistently you're professional and non non-offensive. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. Why is it why is that important to you that you focus on, on being professional and non-offensive?
1: Because um, I don't like to offend, number one. And over the years, there's been a real trend uh, against. Um, you no, know, you know, there's been a, a. Let me repeat that. Over the years, there's been a real move to political political correctness. Yes and nervousness about people who offend or yes. harass.
0: Yeah.
1: So I've um, I've understood that all along and I've always been tasteful with my material, but I'm even more tasteful now. Yeah. Uh, I have an example of a, a corporate job I did for a yogurt company back in 2012 where yeah, I right. did a, a Christmas party for them. Yeah. Went very well and included people jokes, but when they hired me back for 2018, they asked me not to do people jokes because of the over sensitivity about possibly offending even wow. though my people jokes went well in 2012 didn't want me to do any in 2018
0: yeah,
1: Wow, and i understood that oh, I, that is mm. that is
0: incredible mm. um you know i i asked um you know our mutual friend tim ferguson uh, i did some workshops with him and tim is one of the most incredibly generous people uh, on the planet and i asked him this question and it was, you know, me being, moving into that corporate space. Like, you know, I, humor is a very big part of what I do. And I asked him, you know, how, what is advice for me being up and coming in this industry? And, you know, how do I manage the sensitivities of, of the audience and still honoring my, my own work? And, um, you know, I, I don't want to get banned from all these podcast platforms. So I won't tell you exactly what he said, but uh, you could <laughs> fill in the gaps there. But what he did say when he, when he sort of finished his, his rant, his wisdom rant, um, that he said was, look, if you really put serious thought into what you're doing, and you do it in a way that's, that's honours that you've, you've put in thought and reflection, then most people would not have a problem with it. And granted, corporate audiences are different, you know, but he said most people would, would not have a problem with it because they love you and they love your work and, and that. And I've always tried to sort of walk that ground in, in everything that I did. Uh, And I would imagine Mm. that's sort of similar advice that you would give to up and coming comedians now, wanting to move into that corporate space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're honestly politically incorrect, like Mm. say, if 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 one had gone to see a a Rodney Root or a Kevin Bloody Wilson Mm. or a Cole Elliott, you know, they would expect a certain brand of material. Of course. You know, Um, but for normal. Entertainers, corporate entertainers, or whatever—you know—you've really got to hold back on shocking the audiences because they're not expecting it from you and mm. can get offended easily. Mm. Yeah,
0: mm. I—I want to um, ask you something that about someone else. Robert Woodgate says on your on your Google reviews, he said Elliot Goblet is a TV celebrity created to meet the Australian sense of ridiculousness. Is that Mm, how you were thinking when you created the character?
1: Yeah, I was. I mean, I was inspired by Monty Python and also uh, Steve Martin's stand-up comedy days. I mean, a a brilliant stand-up comedian in his day. So I was inspired by the farce of what they were doing. And uh, I guess I really um, wanted to do something similar and found I could. I was coming up with some pretty crazy inventions I was starting to really find myself with my character. And one of the things that has really worked for me is the incongruity or the contradiction of my appearance as Elliot Goblet and the things I say. I look pretty boring when I perform it. Um, but uh, I talk about doing exciting things. And that that contradiction worked really well for me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I noticed yeah. on your website you say that you're less... You're less deadpan or you're less intense, yeah. maybe. Talk to me about that. How does the how does the character like Elliot evolve?
1: Yeah, well, I, I started it uh, as a very catatonic zombie-like character. Yeah. Not not a flicker. Yeah. <laughs> um, not a flicker. Just stood there looking right down the barrel of the camera. No smiling. Um, as I said, totally zombie-like. Zinc cream on the nose, which you know was an absolute incongruity, being inside with zinc cream, a jacket with the badge back to front, so you could see the pin, um, and of course the goatee beard and the long hair. So it was quite a, a quite a, a person that was vi- very visually different. And I had a Gladstone bag next to me with props in it. Right, right. But as years went on. Um, I was hearing comments about people saying, yeah, really funny on TV, but couldn't really use him for our corporate event because he's too uh, too aloof or too lacking in, uh, too impersonal. Mm. And I, when I heard these things, I thought, geez, that, those those perceptions of me are spoiling my chances of getting in corporate work. So I decided to become more animated. So, and increasingly I've become more animated and I call myself now deadpan, but friendly. So I do punch (laughs) out a smile. I do punch out a smile, particularly when I'm an MC at weddings. I mean, that crowd really want you to be personable. So I've I've now found the medium, uh, a nice medium, a good level to be at and not be and and still be true to my early character it's it's
0: fascinating watching you know your early work and what you're doing now and uh you've actually got clips of you performing on on your website which is fantastic uh i i just i just think it's it's fascinating you know this whole interview is fascinating to me and, and i'm sure audiences listening in will be like wow you know um you truly are one of the one of the original gangsters of comedy and you've come through everything that that you know has happened over the last 39 and a half years and to see you know you end up doing what you're doing it takes incredible talent you know dedication perseverance and and just a love for the craft i think jack like it's just just wow you know. um but but uh, but enough about me let's talk about you um <laughs> 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 yes got the comedian laughing it's a winner mate your uh, mum yeah. uh is is truly a beautiful yeah. human being she's 90 96 97 this year
1: 96 now yeah nearly wow. 97 yep. wow. Mar- yeah well
0: marcel levy uh i just want to say well, like, levi yeah levi yeah. sorry sorry yeah. sorry i That's um it, yeah. Yeah. So she, she has these 10 principles, 10 commandments of life. And I just want to run through them quickly because I think, I think they're fantastic. Um, so these are, uh, Marcel Levi's, um, very, very beautiful principles of life, you know? So she mm. says, um, the door is always open, uh, tolerance, practice tolerance, forgive and forget. Don't forget to have mm. a belly laugh. Don't dwell on the past. Be grateful for the little pleasures. Don't be negative, always see the cup as half full instead of half empty, avoid negative people and be a good listener. And I think those are those are yeah. incredible incredible um, um, you know principles of life and, and and a strong clue why she's why she's outlived many and I'm sure she'll go on to live outlive many. Mate, out of all those principles, what would, what would you think would be the most important or your favorite principle out of all of those?
1: Uh, yeah, the uh, mixing with positive, not not mixing with negative people, mixing more with positive people yeah. and uh, glass half people. full instead of half empty. They're two of the standouts. Yeah. But they're all good. They're all good. I mean, I you know, and, and that's the reason that she's a healthy and happy yeah. 96-year-old because she lives by good principles of life. And is uh, very giving. I mean, I've really learned a lot from her about giving. Truly inspirational lady is uh, my mother. Yeah, oh, she's, absolutely. She's and living at home too. Oh, living really? at home. Wow, wow. Mm.
0: that is that is absolutely beautiful, mate. Mm. Uh, we've heard from your mum's principles. What would be what would be something that you've learned throughout this amazing career of yours that's been pivotal for you?
1: Well, two main things, AJ. Um, one is to be different in everything i do so i stand apart from the herd and break through the clutter because there's certainly a lot of clutter out there Mm. and i've been able to do that both in my performing with the character i've come up with and in my advertising of myself and the products that i've come up with they're all been very different um secondly give back to the community i i can tell you that I. I went through a bit of a tough time in 1998 and started doing personal development. Um, Oh, wow. Saw a counsellor, read books and went on courses. But there was something I still needed to do, and that was to give back to the community. So when I was on an aeroplane trip from Melbourne to Sydney, I picked up a newspaper and read about Les Twentyman's new book. Uh, Les Twentyman, a very famous youth worker. And I thought I'd met Les a couple of times and decided to give him Get in contact with him when I got back. And out of a conversation, I got together with Les's organization. It was then Open Family, and it was Les Tweeman and Father Bob together. And we put together five huge shows at Crown Showroom in Melbourne, 2001 through to 2005 and raised a lot of money for open family. So I was just so happy that I was able to give back to the community and, and organise the talent for those shows because I had all the contacts in the world and got top performers at those five shows, all giving their services for free. Wow. And that was really good. And that that made me feel like I needed to do more for other charities. And I've done things for MS and Mirabelle Foundation wow. and, uh, you know, all these different charities. And it's made me feel good to continually Put back or give back to the community. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah! Wow, uh, that is that is incredible. Give back to the community, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah it, that is incredible, uh, mate. This is the one small thing podcast where all our leaders are trying to achieve big things out there in the world. Mm. What? But you and I both know it's the power of the little things, the little details that stack up over time to to help you achieve that big stuff. What is the one small thing you would like all of our listeners and and people watching this and viewers? Uh, what is the one small thing you would like them to keep in mind as they achieve their big goals?
1: Okay. Well, apart from doing things differently, apart from that, I think it's uh, good manners, really good manners, you know, saying thank you a lot, uh, congratulating people when they deserve to be congratulated, uh, just attending to the little things. So thank yous, congratulations, uh, remembering important events in their lives, not just birthdays, but other things. Might be an anniversary of a, of a parent's death or something like that. But just remembering, attending, going out of your way, calling in on people who aren't doing well. And I did a lot of that during the lockdowns. Yeah, wow. um, so just being a good-mannered, thoughtful person and making some time for things that don't necessarily give you benefits, but just help other people. That is, yeah.
0: uh that is incredible mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know I, I almost wish that you'd block your ears when I say this next thing is that um, you know people listening in this is what makes Jack one of the all-time greatest of Australian entertainers. you know incredibly generous with his information, uh, a master of his craft, but also practicing kindness and caring about others. So uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on on the program today. Uh, for anyone interested in booking Jack, please visit Book Speakers Direct and uh, go straight through to his website where you can see the magic that he delivers audiences. All the testimonials are there and all his services are there. And um, just, yeah, if, if you genuinely care about making a difference within your organization and really sort of making your people have these belly laughs, please go check his work out. Thank you, Jack, for uh, joining us today.
1: Thanks, AJ. All right,
0: it was take great. care. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it an appropriate thumbs up on whatever platform you're consuming it on and subscribe for future episodes. Thanks again to our sponsors, Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of finding the perfect speaker for your event.